You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. In today's message, we continue with week three of our home series, where we explore the mission of the church and how that mission is uniquely expressed through the faith family at Broadmoor. As we hear from his word, as always, we pray that God would challenge and change us so that we can become more like him. It would not be right if I didn't start with, good morning, church, how are we? So I was thinking yesterday afternoons, I kind of got alone for a little bit of time, and you know how Satan just does a number on you sometimes, and I had this, this thought that hit me that the social media posts have gone out, Facebook posts have gone out, the... Uh, Church email has gone out. Josh is not preaching. Josh is sitting over there, and the only people that showed up were the band and my family sitting right over here. That's a scary thing, y'all, just to to know. So thank you for showing up this morning. I appreciate you being here. Uh, As you know, uh, we are right in week three of the home series. Pastor Josh, thank you for the opportunity uh, to preach week three. Uh, This is a part of our whole home series that I am super passionate about. You're going to hear that today, I hope, because this is an area of just my life that I've grown in, but I want to see our church growing in as well, so I hope you feel that. So this is week three, and I even had this week someone ask me, why do we do this every August? We know it, we've heard it, but why? I don't know about you guys, but I forget stuff pretty regularly. So I need to be reminded of things. And this is a great opportunity for us to just be reminded of who we are, what we're all about, and what God is doing in our faith family here at Broadmoor. But here's what I know. Over the last two or three weeks, we've had a lot of new folks that have been coming in and out of our doors. And I want you to know from the staff standpoint, we are so excited about you being here and just checking out this place that we love called Broadmoor. We love it because God's here. And God's doing a work in us. But I I, I want us to understand and know that he's not finished yet. God's stirring in the hearts and lives of people. And as you are our guest today, or maybe the last three weeks, maybe you just have those questions of, Who is this place called Broadmoor? What what are they all about? We want to give you the opportunity just to hear about who we are. And maybe even down the line, commit yourself to this is going to be the church home for me. So Pastor Josh led us in week one about mission. It answers the question, what are we doing? Last week he talked about our values. Why are we doing it? And today, I want to talk to you about our strategy. It answers the question, how are we going to do it? You're going to see a slide that's going to pop up, and it's going to stay there for a little while. Hopefully, you have seen this. You've, uh, it's been around all over production stuff that we put out, website. But you will see our strategy right here. Worship, group, serve. But I want to encourage you, don't miss that word, abide. We will eventually land there this morning But I want you to see how this all works together, but abide is that critical and most important piece. Worship groups and serve, they're the three weekly opportunities provided by Broadmoor. I I want you to think of them maybe as incubators. 
places for your faith to be nurtured and grow. Now, as you look at that slide, you see lots of circles. But I want you to think with me as we kind of begin to work through what this whole thing looks like and break it apart a little bit more. I want you to think in circles. So think at its core, worship. It's what we're doing right now. This is corporate worship. This is so important to the body. Scripture calls us into these environments where we sit together, we pray together, we sing together, we hear God's Word, we read God's Word. God calls us into these moments. It's the largest circle that we have here at our church. It's impossible for you to know any, uh, a lot of folks in this church. You have your circle of people that you know, but you don't know everyone in this room. So it is a very, very large circle. Then we get to talk about groups. And at its core, this is a little bit smaller circle, but some of them are really, really big. These life groups that we have around here, it is the place that you begin to practice knowing and being known. Then we have these places of service. They're smaller circles. They're teams of people where you just have the opportunity to give your life away. I want you to think with me if we take these circles and we just begin to turn them upright. And as they turn upright, I want you to begin to see some depth here. I gave you the core at the very top level, but there's more that's happening down deep inside of these circles. Listen, listen to this. Worship is not only corporate worship, which is what we're doing right now. It's personal worship. It's silence. It's solitude. It's Sabbath. Think about groups with me for a minute. As, as we dig deeper into the circle... It's not only life groups, but it's small groups, it's discipleship groups, it's men's groups, it's women's groups. These circles, these group circles, they just get smaller and smaller and smaller. And for, for some of you, I, I want to just acknowledge, that is intimidating to you. There was a time in my life it was very intimidating to me. This was the most comfortable place for me, was the big room. But then, as, as God began to work and do what only God can do, God began to push me towards smaller circles. Relationships are deeper. The conversations are deeper. The trust level grows and becomes higher. You practice accountability. You practice transparency, confession, giving, and receiving feedback. Now, for some of you, you're practicing in that, and you know the great value of those things. Some people, your heart rate just went up. Because that is a scary place to practice the depth of what God calls us to, of knowing and being known. So let me, let me step out of preaching for just a minute and, and just share this with you. My, my desire as your group's pastor is that you find the next smallest circle. So what that might look like for you is you sit in this big room every week. Would you begin by finding a life group? 
it would be my honor to help you find that group. That's the next smallest circle. If you're in a life group, would you begin to find in that life group maybe some friends that you do life with regularly and begin to do something even deeper? Begin to love each other more deeply. Begin to hold each other accountable to knowing Scripture, memorizing Scripture, and prayer. Y'all, we, we need that. And my hope is, as, as you begin to experience life group and small group, you begin to experience our frame of care, guide, and courage. I hope you've heard that. Life group folks, I hope you have talked to your groups about that. But we want to care for people as a person. We, we want to see them uh, guided by God's word, and we want to encourage them to take next steps of faith. And y'all, sometimes that comes with a pat on the back. Sometimes for people like me who are just stubborn, hard-headed, it's a good push in the back to take that next step forward to what Jesus is calling us to do. My, my hope is also that as you experience care, God, and encourage, that the Lord will cultivate that in you and the people that are around you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, those people that are close to you every day, they begin to experience that from your life as you care, guide, and encourage them well. Think about service, the smaller groups, the other opportunities. Church, oh, there are plenty, plenty of opportunities right here on site to serve God faithfully. There are our mission partners. There are national and international trips. Think about your neighbors. Think about your coworkers. Think about the people that live in your home. There are opportunities for us to grow in our service that is kingdom service. Now, here's where it begins to get a little personal for me. There's a danger as you look at that list, worship groups and serve. There's a danger in that. They're all good things, right? Hey, they're part of our strategy. Of course they're good things. But I want you to see how you can see that, how I can see that as a checklist. Y'all know, y'all feeling that? You know what I mean? You, you do your group, you do your worship, you do your serve, you've checked your list and you're done. So there was a time in my life, this is what it would have looked like. Worship, check. Life group, Sunday school class, check. Serve, give my life away in some, some way, check. And all of a sudden, I find myself where I've met all of the requirements for God, and I'm done. What I often found is I could get that done on Monday, and I was good for the rest of the week until next Sunday. Y'all feel that? You get to the end of Monday, you checked off all the lists, and you look at God and you say, God, I'm done for the week. That's not how it's meant to be. I fight legalism with all that I am. Legalism is that idea of doing good works. Me, I would earn God's favor and blessing. Y'all, that's not how life is designed for us to live it. <laughs> Some of y'all will remember this. I remember growing up as a kid, 
there was this little offering envelope. And as a kid, one of the favorite things I had to do was grab that little offering envelope on Sunday mornings, and my parents would, would help me with this as a young kid. And there was an opportunity for me to write my name. There was also this place for me to check off all the things that I had done this week to get ready for Sunday school. So I would go, uh, going to worship, yes, check. Present for Sunday school, yes. Read my Bible daily, yes. Giving, and then any, I'm sure there were other things on there to check, but I checked every stinking one of them. My, my goal was to get to Sunday morning, check all the things off the list, get a quarter from my mom and dad, seal that, drop it in there, seal that envelope, and be the first one to turn that into my Sunday school teacher. And then look into heaven and say, God, you can't believe the awesome little Christian I was today. I just wanted God to know I had done everything required of me that week. So that performance mentality is something that I have battled all of my life. Struggled with it as a kid. I struggle with it right now as an adult, and I stand before you as a pastor here doing ministry. I still struggle with it. There's a little bit of me this morning that hopes you think, man, he did a great job in that sermon. And I really don't want to stand here and admit that to you, but that's just the truth. So it, it crept more into my spiritual life. I would skim scripture and check it off. I would pray hurried and empty prayers and check it off. And to this day, I will still lean into some of the spiritual disciplines and do those things just so I can check off the list and convince God that I'm doing some of the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I wanted God to see all of the things that I was doing. I, want, I just wanted him to be proud of me. God, look, look at all the things that I'm doing for you. I was worn out and I was empty. I found myself sitting with an open Bible, a journal, always a cup of coffee, but an empty soul. I was in this place where I was doing for God versus being with God. My faith was stagnant. I was frustrated and probably even a little bit angry. I was angry with me. For some reason, I was angry with God. And at this point in my life, what I found is I, I found no other option but to pray. And I had to move from these empty, hurried prayers. I had to move toward prayer like I've never prayed before, or at least in a long time. And I found myself just reading Scripture, praying, and listening for God's voice. And I want to tell you, for a while, it was very silent. It was not like I was hearing God just regularly at this point. A lot of times it was just silence. But God began to move me toward John chapter 15 as I prayed. Where Jesus teaches us about abiding in Christ. 
My prayer all week has been this. God, help us not to see worship groups and serve as a checklist or a bunch of obligations, but help us to see them as opportunities where you will grow our faith and love for you. So abide, here are a bunch of little definitions for you. It means to be with Jesus rather than performing for Jesus. The Greek word for abide here means to stay, to remain, to be constant, to continue. It means to linger with Jesus. It means to don't be in a hurry. Let me just stop right there and acknowledge the fact that every person in this room is busy, right? But I also want to remind us that Satan, one of his greatest tools is to convince you that you are too busy for your relationship with Christ. And I want to call us into that fact. That's a lie, folks. Because what I've found in my own personal journey is that what's important to me will find its way to my calendar. It will find its way into the practices that God has called me to. Am I always faithful to it? No, never. never. It it just doesn't happen. But y'all, I want you to know you're not too busy. Listen to the Lord's voice as he calls you in. Don't be in a hurry. It means put down roots. It means set up shop. It means get comfortable. And for some of you that are dealing with a lot in your life right now, here's what it means. Hold on to Jesus and don't let go. He's holding on to you. He's not going to let go of you. But what I want you to hear this morning as you practice this abiding, I want you to hear, hold on to Jesus and don't let go of him. He's got something for you. It doesn't look like it or feel like it in the moment that you're living. But I promise you, he does. So John 15, 1-5, we finally made it to the scripture. Here we go. Kids, if you're using the following Jesus Bible, it's page 1159. I'm so glad we've got the kiddos with their own copies of God's word. Thankful that they are doing that. So a little background while you're looking up that passage. This is Jesus' final I am statement in the book of John as he prepares his disciples for his crucifixion. He's already told them, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here in John 15, 1, he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. That seems like a very strange metaphor for us today. But that would have connected deeply to this group of people hearing Jesus talk about this. Because many times in the Old Testament, God had referred to his people Israel as a vine or a vineyard. And in a lot of cases, they were in trouble because they weren't bearing fruit. So you see two parts of the Trinity at work here in this first verse. You see God the Father, and it it calls him out as the vine dresser, but I want you to also think of him as the master gardener. Then you see Jesus, and it's interesting, it doesn't call him the vine, it calls him the true vine. 
And in this opening verse, Jesus is making the contrast between himself, the true vine, and the very flawed and false vine of Israel. Here's the point I want you to hear from verse 1. The path to God goes through the true vine. Jesus. It doesn't go through church membership, worship attendance, life group attendance, or serving. Those are all parts of our strategy. They're important. But that does not get you to Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father. In verse 2, you find these words. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, you've got two things going on in this verse. Watch this. The branches that are in me are connected to the vine, but they are not currently bearing fruit. How do I know that? Look at the words, in me. In me tells me that is a person that is in relationship with Jesus, but they are not currently bearing any fruit at all in their lives. Maybe I just described your life. And and that is a place that you are struggling right now, that that you're a believer, you're connected to Jesus, but there's just not a lot of fruit, if any fruit, that's being produced in your life. Would you just own that? that? That's me. That's where I'm living life right now. I am living in a place where I really, with all of my heart, I want to. But it's just not happening right now. Watch this beautiful picture unfold. As you look back at your scripture, you see the words takes away. The Greek word there that is much better translation is the word to the words lift up. So the picture here, don't miss this. If if this is you, not bearing any fruit, but you're a believer, listen to this. The picture is the father the vine dresser, the master gardener, taking and lifting you up, that unproductive vine, lifting you up toward the sunlight so that you can bear fruit again. That's what the Father does for you as a believer when your life is not filled up with fruit. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to quit on you. He wants you to continue to bear fruit. But look, the Father wants you to grow closer to Jesus He wants you to bear fruit again, and he is going to take you and lift you toward the Father. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful picture? The second part of verse 2, he says this, Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It would seem to me if it's bearing fruit, man, just leave it alone and let it go. Let it keep doing its thing. I'm thankful that God doesn't want to just do it that way. I'm glad he decided to do it his way. It's a picture of a believer who is bearing fruit, bearing kingdom fruit. Life is flowing from them into other people. So the word prunes here is the word cleanse. So there's a process done by the vine dresser. Listen, it's a constant work. It's always happening. It's always going on. So if you were to come by my house, uh, Nikki and I are, we love roses. And you can tell. It may look a little overgrown, but they're pretty. We like our roses. 
So these roses bloom, and there are lots of different colors across the front of our house. They, they bloom, and they're beautiful. You know, they start as this little bulb. Sunlight gets them, water gets them. They just begin to open up, and they are beautiful. To me, the most beautiful flower. I love it. But you know what happens? They get really wide open, they're beautiful, and all of a sudden, at some point, they die. I don't like it when they die. Beauty's gone. And what I'll find my master gardener wife out doing, the green-thumbed one, she will take and she will clip or prune that little dead piece off. And she's setting that up for new growth to begin to take place. If you love roses, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And what happens is that little dead piece goes away, falls to the ground, and pretty soon you begin to see new growth taking place. During the challenging season in my life, I could see my Heavenly Father pruning dead stuff away from my life. But there were some things that I really wanted to hold on to that were really supposed to be dead. Arrogance, pride, performance, and y'all, I could stand here and give you many more things that are on that list. But God was not okay with me not producing or him producing kingdom fruit through me. So he continued to cut away at the dead stuff that was there. The pruning process is painful. For some of you in the room, you're going through a really challenging season in your life right now. And it's tough. Hang in there. Don't give up. God's at work. Trust it. Verse 3, he says this. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remember, he's talking to his disciples, and he's reminding them as he prepares them for his crucifixion. He's reminding them, saying to them, because of the word that I've been speaking to you, that cleansing, that pruning process has been going on. Then he says in verse 4, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Watch what happens. There, there's this moment of salvation that happens. And at that point, he comes to abide in me. And at that moment, he gives me the opportunity, the invitation to come and abide in him. The very life that I live every day comes from that connection to that vine. Think about that. Your life today, all that you will do in this coming week, comes from that connection to the vine. He goes on in verse 5 to say, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. Don't miss this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Hmm. But we will try, won't we? I want you to understand that Jesus is the true vine. That is, that is not even in question. Jesus is the true vine. 
and I am a branch. That is a, a disciple that cannot live disconnected from that vine. But I don't want you to think I'm just a branch. That's all I'll ever be in life. I'm just a branch. I want you to understand you are not just a branch. You are an honored branch with honored opportunity to be a disciple of the one true king. Jesus is the main character of the story, not me. I want to remind all of us to play the role that Jesus has given us. Jesus has made you alive. Jesus has made me alive. Jesus is my reason to get up in the morning and go do the things that I have to do. Jesus is the reason that we sit in this room and we worship together. Jesus is the reason and gives life to all the different things that we will do this coming week. The struggle and the exhaustion comes when we try to find life in other things. What is it for you? I, I could sit here and give you a list of things. But what is it for you that you're seeking life in when he tells you, connect to the vine, that is the place that you get life. What are you fighting? What are you battling? Would you just turn those things over and just recognize that he's calling you to true life in him? A true love that only he can give. And it's the way that we love and care and serve our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, and our family. So practically, what, is this, what does this even look like? I want to go back to some words that I used earlier. It means to set up shop. So what does that mean? I, I would tell you that this is a great tool, right? We all use them, have them. We use them for work. We use them for family. We use them for everything. And... It's an awesome tool. But when you talk about setting up shop to just really abide and spend time with the Lord, I want to encourage you to use a hard copy of God's Word. As good as this is to read on, it's, it's a great tool, but it is a serious distraction when you're really trying to just be with the Lord. I also want to encourage you to get a journal. Just a, a place to begin to write down your questions and your insights as you just sit with the Lord. I want to encourage you to get comfortable, to be still. You know, stillness is not one of those things I do very well. Probably some of you struggle with that as well. Just struggle to be still before the Lord. And pray. Just talk to the Lord. It's a conversation. But pray expecting God to move and God to work. I want to encourage you to stay. Just, just stay. As, as God maybe is silent for a season, don't get up and move. Don't get in a hurry. Just just. Just stay. A growing understanding of an intimacy with Jesus takes time. Don't, don't hurry away from that. And finally, just this idea of lingering with Jesus. 
What if you started this week with 15 minutes four times this week that you're going to set aside to just be with Jesus, knowing that he's, he's already with you, but just your opportunity to sit at his feet and just be. Here's what I promise you. He'll meet you. He will speak to you. He will encourage you when you need to be encouraged. He will love you when you feel like you are not loved. He will meet you in that moment and he will give you everything you need for that moment because he knows you that well and he desires that kind of an intimate relationship with you. So I want to take the last couple of minutes and connect this to our new one-year goal. Some of you have asked, should we already know that? Maybe. It's been, it's been dripping out there. There's that word we've been using, that Neil word of dripping things out there, and, and it has. And it's, look, y'all, it's a huge God-sized goal. I, I think God-sized goal is pretty awesome, y'all, because if we can do them in our own power, we probably don't need to be doing them, right? So this is a God-sized goal that we're looking at. Here it is. 500 households reading God's word out loud four days a week. Wow. And then as a tag to that, households serving one time a month in our community. I don't know about y'all, but that kind of gets me excited. Can you imagine 500 families from our church reading scripture out loud together? That is transforming. As we dig into that together, that is transforming. And then as we go out into our community and we begin to serve out of the overflow of what God's doing in this whole abiding process, think about those 500 families. If they didn't hurry away from that time, but they just spent a little bit of time lingering with God's word, talking about what it says and what they're going to do with it as a family. And then that gives incredible power and opportunity out of the overflow of what God's doing in that time for us to serve faithfully out in our community. I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. So it's a year from now. It's August 20th, 2024. I want you to think with me for a minute. What has God pruned in your life that now allows kingdom fruit to be produced? What new fruit do you see God producing in your family? What did God cleanse in you that you do not miss anymore? So I know this morning I've been talking to primarily believers, people that are in a relationship with Jesus. If you remember earlier, I said there was this point where salvation happens, and at that point, Jesus comes to abide in my life and sends the invitation to me to abide in him. Maybe you've heard this morning that, man, this whole abide thing I think I'd really like to investigate that just a little bit.
I want you to understand this. You can't abide in Jesus until Jesus abides in you. And here's what I know. It's, it's part of my story. I'm not going to go into it this morning. Lack of time. But there was a time in my life where I gripped the chair or the pew in front of me for all I was worth. I told you that pride kept me from doing some of the things that God had called me to do. Pride kept me a lot of times from making a decision that God was calling me to make. And I want to encourage you this morning, if that is you, I want to encourage you this morning when we begin to sing to walk down front and just, that's me. I want to abide, but I need to meet Jesus first. For some of you, that picture that we painted in that idea of, man, I'm a believer, but my life is not producing any fruit. I want to give you the opportunity. This altar is going to be wide open for you. And what I know is there are decisions that are made right there in the seats every week, and that's awesome. But what if God's calling you to come kneel right here? Just as a sign of submitting to his word, surrendering your life, just saying, God, that's me. I am that person that's not bearing fruit, and God, I want to. I want to see you doing in me what I can't do in myself. I so want to bear kingdom fruit. For those of you right now that are living in this moment where it's sweet, you're seeing fruit produced from your life. You're living in that spot. Would you just take the time that we sing together and say thank you, Jesus? for allowing me to be a vessel that you use to produce fruit. Whatever it is that God is pointing at right now, would you put your yes on the table while we pray together? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you abide in every believer in this room right now. God, I'm thankful for the work that you're doing in so many lives right now. Thank you for the fruit that is, that is coming from lives. It's kingdom fruit. It's making a difference in our church and in our community. But God, for the people that are just struggling right now, they're they're a believer, they're connected to you, but their life is just not bearing fruit. God, would you remind them that you love them and that you are abiding in them and that you don't give up on them. You have a desire to begin to help them and lift them toward your son so that they can begin to bear fruit again. Father, for the person that is not a believer in this room this morning or watching online, would you draw them to yourself for the very first time? God, whatever may be standing in their path, God, would you remove it right now? 
and allow them to respond as you draw them to yourself. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your spirit's presence here in this place today. We give these moments of response to you and pray that you'd be honored and lifted up. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?